You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. We are back in church, and we're going to make some wise decisions. And I pray that God is going to use this sermon series. I think it is an absolutely perfect summer series. And um, this morning, we're going to continue our series on making wise choices from the book of Proverbs. Last week, we talked about the features of foolishness, right? And we talked about five features of foolishness. Careless feet, quick fist, loose lips, roaming eyes, and worst of all, plugged ears. And I really felt like we got off to a great start because to understand the value of wisdom, you must understand its complete opposite which is foolishness. But today, today, I propose that we get away from foolishness and let's move on to wisdom. What do you say? Everybody for that? Let's talk about wisdom this morning regarding hard work. Now, wait a minute. Before you turn me off here for just a moment, let me mention this. You know, work is something that is mentioned so often in Scripture. For instance, This morning, I'm going to use the book of Proverbs to teach a message on the value of work from the book of Proverbs, 28 or 30 verses, just on that subject. So let me show you the relevance of this message. How many of you in this room work? All right, so I'm not far off subject. Looks like I'm right on. If if most of you, if not all of you are working, you have some sort of job, then I would imagine... You are in for this message and for the truths it may teach you and your family. If you need a worship guide, raise your hand. We're going to fill up. Make sure everybody gets one. And just keep them up long enough to where we can get you one. And we'll make sure that gets to you quickly. So we're going to talk about all kinds of work. Are you ready? Work outside the home. Work inside the home. You housewives that are the hardest working people on planet Earth. Hey, students, we're going to talk about home work. I know we're a month away from school and you're like, come on, not so soon. But we, we're going to talk about all kinds of work. Let's define work, shall we? It's your first note in your worship guide. Here's the definition of work. Simple. Producing necessary results through action. Producing necessary results through action. Here it is on the screen. You see it. That's the first, that's the first note and a very simple but clear definition. We're trying to produce some results. And how do we do that? Through action, through hard work. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We don't turn for every passage, but I love it. Man, listen to those pages turning. All right. Anyway, all right. Turn in your Bibles. It's always good to be looking at at least one passage of Scripture every Sunday. It's something about, it's old-fashioned, I know, in this day we live in. But it is so important to have a, a copy on your phone, on your iPad, in, in uh, the written word of God, I'm, I still preach uh, from notes in my Bible, but I love to have a Bible with me. It's, it's an amazing book. It's the greatest book ever. I want to make these statements before I get started about work. I love our country. I am so thankful for the United States of America. I think we have the greatest country in all the world. I think we have the greatest freedom in all the world. Amen. I think that we have the greatest system of government. It's not perfect. Our leaders aren't perfect, but I think the system itself is the greatest system of government in the entire world. 
I'm convinced we have the greatest amount of prosperity to the highest percentage of population in all the world. But think about that. The greatest percentage of prosperity to the highest percentage of population in all the world. Now, the wealth, wealth not be maybe uh, not distributed fairly, especially during this time of the year where if you're interested at all in the NBA, it's completely out of hand. You've got free agency. Guys are getting about $500,000 for one game of basketball. So I, I mean, it kind of makes me sick, too. I, I know it's not fair in many ways, but it's an amazing country. Having said that, our country is in great peril. And many of the values that have made our country great are crumbling. And it's not just the moral values that are crumbling. Another value that is, that is falling apart at the seams is the value of hard work. We live in a country that is quickly forgetting the meaning of work, the value of work, the benefits of hard work. Now, I realize some of you are tuning me out because you hate work. You hate your job. You hate work. You're like, I can't believe I came to church today to hear the preacher talk about something I hate. But wait a minute. God's word says a whole lot about it. So before you jump to conclusions, pay close attention and let the Holy Spirit, through his word, minister to to you this morning and increase the value in your heart of work. There's a lot of confusion today about work in the marketplace. Let me make a true or false statement. You're welcome to answer out loud. True or false. We live in a country that was built on hard work, but increasingly we live in a country that is occupied by lazy citizens. True. Now, that's not an, I'm not accusing. I'm just stating a, a fact that exists today in our country. This is not a new problem. That's kind of relieving. Because 3,000 years ago, the wisest man in all the world named Solomon had much to say about hard work. There was obviously a problem back then. There was something going on back then that, that caused Solomon, under the inspiration of God himself, to write these thoughts about work. So we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to look at about five verses, beginning in verse 6. And we're going to first identify the opposite of work. Anybody want to guess what the opposite of work is? Laziness. Let's first talk about the opposite, laziness. Look at Proverbs 6, and let me read these verses to you, beginning in verse 6. Here it goes. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And before you know it, poverty comes upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Wow. Here we have in Scripture an example of hard work given to us by an ant. I mean, I spent my youth kicking these ant piles over and watching these guys scurry as I stamped them out. And God says, before you discredit the value of the lessons they teach you, let me tell you, when I went to look and God said, for an example of hard work, I went from human being all the way down the animal chain and I found a little bitty ant that's the best example of hard work. And so here it is. Let's define laziness as 
The dictionary describes it. Habitually slothful, sluggish, and adverse to labor. But let's define laziness very simply as slothfulness. Someone who is sluggish. Someone who is adverse to labor. So as we jump into this message, let's take from the ant, from the little insect called the ant, five elements of laziness. And let's identify with scripture what these are. Number one, laziness is foolishness. Look at the verse, Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant. Go ahead and put it up there, Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, oh sluggard. Consider her ways and be what? Wise. Be wise. Go to this little insect and, and learn from her because if you do, you will be wise. What work is really all about is the picture that the ant gives us of, of hard work. And the very first thing that this writer says is that if you go to the ant and consider her ways, you will be wise. So let's decide what a sluggard is. What is a sluggard? Well, that word sluggard means this, slow. And here's what the dictionary said, moves like a slug. You know what a slug is? It's a snail without a shell. They're pretty disgusting. They really are. And so the Bible is giving us the, 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 the picture of a lazy person. He is a slug, a slugger. So I looked up, how fast is a slug? And here's what I came up with. The fastest slug recorded in history is nine feet in one hour. And that's full bore. That's going all out. That's giving it all she's got. Nine foot in one hour. He says, consider the ant and be wise. Because laziness is foolishness. You see, without work, life becomes empty and meaningless. Can I tell you, when I woke up this morning and began to think about what this day held for me, a day where I can share God's word, a day where I can be active in serving the Lord and, 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 and do what God's called me to do. It gave my life meaning. Lots of fulfillment today. Work is not supposed to be the thing we have to do to get the stuff we want to do. Work is the joy of life. It's laboring. It's investing myself in something I love. That's work. Work is not something we have to do to get the stuff we want. I'm asking you to look at work differently than maybe you've ever looked at work based on what scripture teaches us. Hey, let me go a step further. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Let's time out. Stop right. Let's figure out what whatever is. Because sometimes we kind of wonder, does that include everything? What do you think? Does whatever include whatever? Could possibly whatever maybe be like brushing your teeth or making your bed or maybe changing the world. Whatever. You do work, work, work heartily as to the Lord and not for man. Let me give you another one. Ephesians 4.28. Ephesians 4.28 says this. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I love that. Let a man work, let him labor. Not just so he can have things, but so he can share what he has. Work, the value of work. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 10. Move a little quicker there. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, don't let him eat. 
you know, sometimes we look at that and we think it might be somewhat cruel, but I'm thankful today that I'm not the one saying it. So if you say amen to that, you're saying, amen, God, you're right. Because God said that. And then what about 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18? The laborer deserves his wages. Okay, let me sum it all up. You ready? I'm going to sum it up. Work is good. Work is good. It is part of God's original design. It is not a waste of your time to work. Whether you're cleaning a basement or returning phone calls or assembling products on an assembly line or writing a term paper or mowing a lawn or raking leaves, work is good and laziness is foolishness. Go to the end, you slugger. Consider her ways. Be wise. Number two, the second element of laziness is laziness needs constant supervision. Oh, Man, look at this. Proverbs 6, 6 and 7. Go to the end, thou slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. Because without having any chief, any officer, or any ruler. Okay, so here I am. I'm kicking that ampile, right? They're going everywhere. They're getting the job done. They're fixing the problem. They're, they're scurrying to take care of business. And they're not even reporting to duty. They're not waiting for orders. They're not looking at a to-do list. There's just work to do. Let's get it done. Pick up that, uh, pick up that piece of wood. Pick up that leaf. Get that mud. Pick up that baby. Get that egg. Let's get it done. There's work to do. I love it. You see, somebody who's a hard worker doesn't need constant supervision. Ants don't appear to have any apparent authority structure. They just go out there and work hard. We need this trick. Let, let, me, let me illustrate by asking some questions. Do you work just as hard when no one's looking? Do you work just as hard when your boss is out of town? Do you work just as hard when the results will not be known except for by you and by God? These are just questions that are good to ask us as we consider work. Because laziness needs constant supervision. But not the end. The ant's going to get the job done, regardless if it's told what to do. He's not going to necessarily wait around for a to-do list. And while he's doing that, he might just kind of go on Google and Amazon during work hours and buy some stuff he needs at the house. Or text for an hour or two, or take a long lunch break, or show up late, or leave and go home early. No, no, not the hard worker. There's work to do. And he doesn't need supervision. Number three, the third element, of, by the way, we're learning all these from the ant. Kind of, kind of interesting, isn't it? Number three, laziness produces inconsistent effort. Look at Proverbs 6 and verse 8. You'll see something about the ant. Because she prepares her bread in the summer, but that's not all. She doesn't only prepare in the summer. She also gathers her food in the harvest. Sounds like she's got a plan for different seasons of life. It's consistent. She doesn't just work when she feels like it or when she doesn't. You see, laziness and lazy person, a lazy person is on, off, on, off. You're not really sure what person's going to walk in the door. Is this going to be a good day or a bad day? Is this going to be a lazy day or a hardworking day? What kind of day is this going to be? Because you can't really depend on consistency from laziness. Now, let me stop here and take a time out because just in case by now somebody's concerned about me promoting workaholism. I think workaholism is probably as big a sin as anything else. I've suffered from it. Trust me. I've, when I go to celebrate recovery, that's what I do. I stand up and say, hello, my name's Eric Pacey. I'm a workaholic. Yeah. It's hurt my family. I've 
I've, I've made some mistakes when it comes to that. So I'm not promoting workaholism. The biblical message is not work long hours. The biblical message is work hard. Not work, 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 work hard and go home. But while you're working, work hard. Yesterday in the first service, Roger was here. I needed a trailer yesterday. I sent this email out to the church. Well, Roger responded first and I said, Roger, you want to come down and help me tomorrow? So Roger came out here yesterday. It was so hot. And we're moving these lockers over to the community center yesterday. And uh, Roger and Travis uh, Harrison. And we got several lockers over there. And I want you to know, it got to the point where it was so hot. We were so drained. I just looked at him. I said, man, let's go home. But you know what? It brought to us some a, a sense of accomplishment because we worked hard. And we knew when to stop. Let me give you two biblical reasons why you should work. Ready? It's simple. Don't you like simple stuff? Can I give you two? Only two. There's not more than two. There's just two. Just two reasons why we should work. Number one, to provide. We work to provide. Let me give you a verse. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But if anyone does not provide, if anyone doesn't provide for his relatives, but especially, God says, for the members of his own household, Here's what that person is. He's denied the faith. He's worse than an infidel. So without question, we've got to work to provide according to scripture. But secondly, we work to avoid poverty. Now, what's beautiful about this picture of provision and poverty. You see, I'm not working necessarily to get rich. I know I don't want to be poor. I want to be able to provide. This is a biblical balance. And let me give you the illustration in Proverbs chapter 30. Look at it. It says this. Two things I ask of you. I love, I love these lists. I love it when God says, I got two things. Two things only. You ready? Can, can you handle this? Two things. Everybody ready? I got two things for you. And, and, and the writer says, don't deny these to me before I die. Here they are. Number one, don't lie. Be honest. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Be an honest worker. Be an honest person. Number two. Secondly, give me neither poverty nor riches. Just feed me with the food that is needful for me. I love that. Lest I be full. Why? Why? Why is that? Lest I be full to deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. There's so much here. But ultimately, what God is teaching us here about work is this. That it is a beautiful picture of the balance that God calls for in our work. We are not working necessarily to be rich, to have more things and to have more wealth and more corruptible you know, things in this life. No, God, just provide for my needs. And we're going to say more about this in a couple of weeks as we talk about money, which is mentioned in Proverbs more than anything else. And as we look at the value of work and the value of money and God's call for us to just provide for our families and then be generous with the rest. It's an amazing thing. Number four. The fourth element of laziness is this. Laziness always needs to rest. It's incredible. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it like this, but according to the ant, we're going to see it in just a minute, lazy people are always tired. I'm a basketball coach. I haven't been one in a few years, but back when I coached basketball, it was the most frustrating thing, Tim, you're a coach, to, I mean, one lap and the kid says, can I get water? And you're like, we just ran one lap. 
Or maybe you just, you know, you just shoot layup lines and can I get a rest? Coach, yes, I, I need to sit down. I'm tired. Oh, drive you crazy. Man, I tell you what, one thing I appreciate, I pointed Tim out. I had the privilege of coaching Tim Gillespie, your school principal here at Gospel Light. I'll tell you one thing about that young man. He, he didn't score the most points and he may not have been the most talented guy out there. But I'll tell you one thing he was. He was the hardest working guy you'd ever play with. And I'll take hard work over talent any day. Just give me a hard worker. You know, one of the most thing, one of the things you'll notice about the NBA, I heard this on Colin Cowherd this week, listen to talk radio when you're driving a car for a long time. Sometimes you've got to revert to Colin. Anyway, I was listening to Colin Cowherd, and he was talking about the NBA and how that these players get paid a lot of money, but still only a few work hard. You can tell by watching a basketball game who's putting in the work and who's not. Who's playing defense and who's not. Who wants to be out there and who cares if they don't ever get in. It's a difference. And I have found that oftentimes a lazy person just wants to rest all the time. All right, Proverbs 6. Let's go to the end. Go to the end. Let's go to the end. Proverbs 6. How long will you lie there? Oh, sluggard. How long are you going to sleep? 10, 11, 12, 1? Well, I went to bed at 4 playing, what's it called? Fortnite, Fort something, night, Fort, Fortnite something. 4 o'clock. Come on, man. I got 8 hours of sleep. It's just noon. When are you going to rise from your sleep? A little sleep? A little slumber? A little folding of the hands to rest. How many grew up hearing idle hands are the devil's workshop? Anybody else? Yeah. It's a truth. It's a truth. It's not a Bible verse. I can't say turn to, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 5. I can't say turn to Eric chapter 1, verse 1. There it is. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. It's, it's, it's as close as scriptures you'll ever find. Truth is, if you don't teach your children how to work, you're doing your children a great disservice. Teach your kids how to work. Get your kids out of the, out of, in front of the television. Get your kids out of the, uh, just the, the, the idea of just sitting there and doing, uh, playing games or just, you know, sitting on the couch doing nothing. Get them busy. Get them working. Because if you don't teach your children to work, you're doing them a great disservice. Number five, the five, fifth element to laziness is laziness leads to sudden, certain poverty. Now, here's what's interesting about the end. Let's go to the end. Proverbs 6. It says in verse number 11, poverty will come upon you like a robber all of a sudden and want like an armed man. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Now, please understand that poverty in scripture is not just talking about financial poverty. Sometimes I think we look at the word poverty and we just equate it with dollars. But the truth of the matter is, even bigger is laziness that leads to poverty of the soul. Let me give you an illustration. Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse 4 says this. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. The soul. The soul of the sluggard. While the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. You see, this is more than just a nice roof over your head and a refrigerator full of food. Hard work produces something good in your soul. And laziness produces something debilitating in the heart of the slothful person. And I remember when I was growing up, my dad taught me the value of hard work. 
I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. And my dad worked at a furniture warehouse downtown called Walter Thorne Incorporated. I'd go to work with my dad in the summer every single day without fail from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock every day in a warehouse that was hotter than Hades. I mean, it was hot. And I mean, it was, we'd go and work and dad would, he'd, he'd expect me to work eight hours. And I, at, th- at age 13, he'd just give me a, like a couple bucks an hour, you know, and I just enjoyed being with him and being with my dad. He'd work hard and I'd watch him work hard in this warehouse. And for 37 years, he worked in that warehouse. We used to go home after, after a hard day's work and here's what would be for dinner, Pastor Carney. Uh, by the way, pastor's on vacation. There's no, no, nothing's going on at the church. Everything's great. He's just on vacation. With, he's with family. Amen. I'm glad I can say that. So guess what we'd eat? Fried bologna and Doritos. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I used to think, Dad, is this the best we could do? We worked hard all week. And, you know, you ever had fried bologna? Of course, what? He couldn't cook. The only time we ate dinner was when my grandma fixed spaghetti and we'd freeze it and eat it the whole week, you know. But fried bologna and Doritos. So we'd eat these fried bologna and Doritos. And I used to think, you know, it just seems like it should be better than this because we're working so hard, you know. But we'd come home and dad would say, son, man, it just feels good to work hard. And we're saving up our money. We're being frugal and just eat it up. And we'd eat it up. My dad came down to visit the other day. And my kids and I, we sit around the table. One of the big things we do with dad is we just talk and ask questions. In fact, if you get around my dad, he... He is really big on asking questions and just talking as a family. It's huge. That's kind of what we do. That's our game. Our game is questions. We just ask questions and we enjoy each other's answers. Dad told us the other day as we were talking around the table, he said, yeah, I remember we did work. We were laughing about that fried bologna and Doritos. And we were just laughing and cracking up, giving giving Dad a hard time, giving Papa a hard time. And then he said, but remember this, son. When I finally walked away from that factory, Walter Thawne, walked up to me and gave me a check for $775,000. And I said, what's this, Mr. Thorne? True story. He said, what do you mean, what's that, Drea? He said, what, what is this? He goes, right, we've been taking a little bit out of your check every, every day, for every week for 37 years, and every time you put a little in, we put a little in, and this is what's left. He said, have a good life. Dad said, I walked away and said, man, that fried bologna never tasted so good. <laughs> Needless to say, we're not eating fried bologna as much anymore around dad's house. I said all that to say this. You see, we, we labored in that old hot warehouse. And man, I didn't understand it. And I got so tired of fried bologna and, and Doritos. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, hard work pays off. Just be consistent. Work hard. I'm thankful my dad taught me a hard work ethic. Now, you know, when we talk about laziness. I think the only way we can really be effective as a pastor, I'm I'm doing you a disservice unless we address the consequences of laziness. Because really the preacher's not accomplishing much until he introduces you to the truth and to the consequences. So we know how to respond. By the way, this is where I get helped because I can tell you, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me as well. So here they are. We're going to look at four consequences to laziness. Number one, the first thing we see here is laziness leads to excuse making. Now, I'm going to establish that by a very strange, odd verse that's up for discussion. Scott, we like to study the Bible, don't we? But I don't know if this is a theological discussion or not. Can I, I'm going to throw the verse on the screen. You ready for this one? Here we go. Proverbs 26, 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the streets. There's a lion in the streets. 
Help me out, man. I'm like, so I'm studying that thing, right? I'm getting commentaries out. Anybody ever do this? You get, what does he say? What does he say? Everybody's saying something different. But here's what I'm coming. I'm seeing a common thread, and that is this. This dude, this slugger, this lazy dude, he's got mental problems. All All of them pretty much said there's paranoia and there is passivity and excuse making. Here's a guy. He probably stayed up too late, ate pizza at midnight, woke up, you know, and, oh, there's a lion in the... How many of y'all think there's really a lion in the streets? I'm going to say, I don't think so. I think the dude is just, his mind is whack because he hadn't worked in a while. He's eating way too much ice cream and pizza, Pastor Garn. Let me say it like this. Too much time on your hands and not enough hard work leads to messed up thinking. Too much time on your hands and not enough hard work leads to messed up thinking. The person who will not work becomes quickly the person who cannot work. How can you work if every time you are given an opportunity, there's an excuse? So filled with excuses, so passive and weak. Well, he does it and she does it and I don't get paid enough and I'm sick and it's not my job, it's somebody else's job and Laziness leads to excuse making. Number two, laziness for the most part, for the most part, is unchanging. For the most part. I have found it's really hard to see a lazy person ever become, ever get a strong work ethic. I mean, I didn't say it's impossible. But the longer you're lazy, the more you do the lazy stuff, the harder it is to to discipline yourself, to do the hard work. Here's an amazing verse. It's, it's Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 14. I'm going to illustrate it over here with this door because it says a door turns on its hinges. So if you don't mind for a while, I think I'll just uh, do that. Isn't this exciting? You say, how long are you going to do it? Well, this particular door has been doing it for about 50 years. It's open, door swings open, shut, open, shut. Nothing ever changes. I could keep doing that for the next hour, and guess what's going to change? Goose egg. Ain't nothing changing. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the slugger turn on his bed. In other words, it's hard to get a slugger to change. It's hard to get a lazy person to work. Like that door. They don't go anywhere. They don't change. Open and shut, open and shut, open and shut. I see a lot of human problems as a pastor. That's one of the things that we deal with oftentimes in counseling and and just in life in general. We deal with a lot of human issues, problems. But I don't know of a human problem that is harder to see changed than the lack of a real work I don't know of any problem. That's harder to see somebody. And listen, we've seen a lot of people overcome, chains broken, deficiencies in their lives. We've seen a lot of character traits changed, and and it's awesome. But this one, it's tough to see change. Early in my ministry, I had the misfortune of working with a lazy person. Out in California, I was a youth pastor, and I quickly began to realize that, wait a minute, I'm doing his work. I mean, he's not coming in, he's coming in late, he's leaving early, he's taking long lunches, he pretty much does whatever he does, and I'm doing his work as well. And you almost feel cheated, slighted, and 
And I determined if I ever become a senior pastor, I'm going to be the hardest working dude in that church. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give it all I've got. Our staff, I believe, here at Gospel Light works as hard as anybody in this building. And I'm going to say this. It sounds cruel, but if they don't, they don't need to work here. And you say, well, that's kind of mean. Let me explain. Those of you that are going to be honest and work hard and come here and tithe and give money so that our staff can work need to know that if you're going to work hard and tithe and give so that our staff can get paid and work hard, they need to work at least as hard as you're working. I tell our staff often, remember, our church is working hard so we can work hard. Amen. And I thank God for our staff. Many of them were here yesterday working, getting things done, getting things cleaned up. It's exciting. Number three, the consequence to laziness. Laziness leads to apathy. Check out this picture. This is the craziest verse I'm going to read you today. This beats the lion in the streets. You ready? Here it is. Here's the picture. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Now remember, here's the concept. Here it is. Laziness leads to apathy. So here's the sluggard. Picture, just let your mind roam. Here he is. I'm seeing this guy. He's on the couch. He's watching the you know Netflix or something, you know, and, or whatever. The 17th version of some show that he's already watched 20 times, whatever, you know. And he's watching it, and he's, he's taking, he's got popcorn, ice creams, cookies, and he's just kind of doing this. And finally, he's like, this is so hard. I mean, just, oh, my porks. So he just puts his face in the dish and just kind of, you know, just eats it like that. Just determines, you know what? I'm going to bury my hand in the dish because it's just way too much work to lift my arm to my mouth. Now, here's what the lesson is. I love the Bible, don't you? (laughs) When's the last time you read this verse or paid attention, right? Here it is. The truth of the matter is, is a lazy person gets to the point where they just don't. They don't care how they look. They don't care what you think about them. They don't care that they got a stain on their shirt. They don't give a rip. They don't care if their hair's combed. You ever go to Walmart, some of them, you're like, oh my, what? You know, it's like, he don't care. (laughs) You know. The truth of the matter is this. Laziness inevitably, inevitably leads to I don't care. There's something about spending yourself that leads to energy and passion. It is. Listen. Getting up and going to work. Don't, by the way, don't feel sorry for me that my voice is worn out and it's going to be more on after today. I'm good. I'm, I'm spent. Yes, but it's all good. Man, going to that teen camp and living out in the middle of nowhere and preaching to a bunch of smelly teenagers for a whole week. And at the end of the week, 50 kids getting saved. Whoop! You talk about energy and passion. That, that's your beach fortnight. And I know people my age in my profession that are really good at that game. And then when you wake up on a Saturday morning and you get an email from a kid that says, my name is Allison. I went to Fort Buff camp this week. I've been cutting myself. I just want you to know that after hearing you preach, I rededicated my life to Christ and I'm not going to kill myself. Can I tell you something? That, that brings energy and passion. Yes, it's work. Yes, it's sacrifice. Yes, it's toil. Yes, it's sweat. Yes, it's a worn out vocal box. But at the end of the day, 
There's something about work. Work is not the awful thing that we have to do. Work is the wonderful thing that we get to do. Work. Number five, number four, and I'm almost done. Laziness leads to being unteachable. It's interesting. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 16 says it like this. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes. Now let's just, let's, let's take a time out right there. Anytime you see in his own eyes, it's not good. It's not a good thing. So here's a sluggard and he's wiser in his own eyes. In fact, he's wiser than seven men who are trying to get some sense into him. So here are seven godly men, seven preachers, seven dads, an uncle, a mentor, a coach. Man, you got to get with it. You got to get out of bed. You got to study. You got to, I know I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going to become a video game champion. I'm good. I'm, haven't you seen these stadiums filled with people? That's me. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to become a poker specialist and end up on ESPN or whatever these things are. You know, I'm good. But you got to work hard. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what, and you just, and, and they're good. You can't talk any sense into a lazy person. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men that try to talk some sense into him. Always be open. Always be teachable. And being teachable is one of the greatest traits you'll ever have. In fact, never, never graduate from learning from others in the counsel of wise men and women. Laziness. That's why laziness is such a hard thing to change. Because the person who is lazy doesn't think he's lazy. It's really hard to change someone if they don't think they have a problem. And that's the sluggard. He's wiser in his own eyes. It's amazing how much comes from Proverbs about work. Now let's move on to the final three notes. I want to give you three affirmations of a Christian worker, and here's why. Because the more I study this subject of work, the more I come to find that the statistics are very sad when it comes to the world and the church. In other words, just like so many other things we talk about, it's not much different. Believers and people who claim to walk with God and know God and have a relationship with God are just as lazy as those that aren't. And I'm always alarmed by that. The divorce rate, the abuse rate, the, the, all these things. It just seems like the church and the world are not, there's no distinction between the two, or at least it's less and less. Can I tell you, I think that we should be the best examples to those that we work with and those out in the world. We, as God's people, as believers, we should be living a a good example and be honest workers and be the kind of Christians we should be in the workplace. Sometimes that's your first witness. And so I'm going to give you three affirmations of a Christian worker. And I'm going to give you a quote from Thomas Edison before I do, because sometimes I think we, we, we think it's all about talent and ability and But Thomas Edison put it like this, for whom we are enjoying some of his inventions as I preach. He said, genius is 1% gift and abilities and 99% effort. I love that. And so with that said, that's me, by the way. I'm not a big gifted guy. I'm not a big ability guy. Believe it. That's just not my deal. But I guarantee you one thing. I'll give you everything I've got. I'll give you everything I've got. I'll be broken and spilt out at the end of the game. I'll give you everything I've got. Number one, I think the first affirmation of a Christian worker is I work for honesty before profit. 
Christians should be honest. Proverbs 11 verse 1 illustrates it by saying this, that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight. What does that mean? Well, you got to know the context for which Solomon's giving this lesson. He's talking about, in that day, farmers who would take their grain uh, and they would uh, come to the, to the marketplace and put their grain on a scale and they would set it there and then the weights would determine, as they were placed on the other side of the scale, just how much the grain was worth. And to put your thumb on that scale and push it down would be the false balance. So the false balance, even though you may, in the moment, get more by cheating, the false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But here's what God says. An honest worker, a just weight. I love that. God says, I love that. I love the honest worker. That delights me. That makes me happy. Every time you make a deal, every time you sell a product, every time you do an item of business, if you do it fairly and justly, it is honoring to God. When you open up your paycheck on whenever you get paid, if what you did adds up to the payment you received, God says, man, I love that. I love it when somebody works as hard as they got paid. God loves it. It's his delight. I work for honesty before profit. Number two, I work for provision before pleasure. This is an important one for believers. Because sometimes I feel as if we can get caught up in the pleasures of this world. Materialism, things. We're not careful. We'll talk about this a little more in a couple of weeks from the book of Proverbs regarding money. But I want to just today touch on it for just a moment. Because here's what scripture says in Proverbs 24, 27. It says, prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. The basics, provision, the things you need to make it daily. And after that, build your house. We see here there is a priority before the pleasure, before the big house, the big car, the big vacations, all the fancy things in life. Before any of that, let's just take care of what's needed. Let's prepare our work. Let's get everything ready for ourselves. I think we need to be careful to take out of our income what we need to provide. We make more. We don't necessarily live different. We get a raise. The first thing we do is don't say, man, I'm making more money. Now I get to do more for myself. No. Hey, I've got what I, I had what I needed before I got the raise. So you know what? God's provided. I wonder if there's somewhere he wants me to be more generous. I wonder if there's an opportunity that I can give more to my church, help with the capital campaign, erase the budget deficit, make sure the missions get their money. Hey, this is kind of cool what God's doing here. I've got what I need. I, I'm good. And, and, and I know it. I know if I just keep working hard. I know that Mr. Thorne's going to give me that check one day. I'm good. I, I, there's coming a day, but right now, I just need what I need to make. And I think sometimes we work, we should work for provision before pleasure versus pleasure before provision. And that's why we're in such debt on credit cards. And we're, we're not recognizing God is providing. We're just taking pleasure and put it, putting it before provision. Be very careful about that. As a Christian worker... Number three, and this is the most important one. 
I work for God, not people. I love this. Proverbs 24, verse 12. Here it is. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Yes or no? Yes. Does not he who keep watch over your soul know it? Yes or no? Yes. And will he not repay man according to his work? Yes or no? Yes. God will repay us. Church, listen to me. There's nothing you do for God. You can't outgive God. You can't outwork God. Amen. That's why when we bring things up, hey, we got an area of service here. We got this done. We got that. I would think at least, let me, let me say it better than that. A lot, lot nicer and, and really more spiritual than that. Because sometimes we get in the flesh up here. It's not pretty. I, I'm concerned sometimes that we don't jump at opportunities to serve God. I don't get it. It's like, okay, this is God's work. This is, you know, okay, so, so it's mowing a lawn or weed eating. I mean, it's, it's, it's God's buildings. These are God's properties. It, it, if you look at it that way, you're working for God. I mean, in all honesty, when you're doing your house, I mean, it, to be honest, it, I guess you could be really super spiritual and say, well, I'm weed eating my house for God. And that's good, and you should. But I think sometimes... We miss the opportunity to serve in our church and so 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And here's the thing. It's not that they're not thankful that they get to do a lot of the work around the church. It's just that you're missing out. So when you hear of an opportunity, it might not be a bad idea just to say, hey, I got an hour. I got 30 minutes this week. I can run by the church. It's all I got. Give me a hallway to vacuum. Give me a weed eater. Give me a little thing to do up in the school, Tim Gillespie. Nathan, uh, you got, I got 15 minutes. I'm getting a quick lunch break. I'm running to the church. Give me something to do. Work for God. Man, it's called the judgment seat. We're going to stand before God and give an account. And you know what one of my number one jobs as pastor is? Number one, here it is. To make sure you have the best judgment seat you can possibly have. If I'm going to do everything and just hoard God's blessings, I am a loser. That's not my, my job is to make sure that you have the most opportunity to serve God. We don't want a dead church. We want a church that's alive. And so when we get up here, notice we've changed it from announcements to opportunities. You say, I kind of noticed that. I was wondering why you guys did that. Why, did you, why are you saying opportunities now? Because that's what they are. Nobody listened to the announcements. We figured you might listen to the opportunities. Because that's what they are. It's great. We get to serve God. That's what we're here for. To work for God, not for man. So I simply say, from a loving heart, a passionate heart, work is a good thing. Work is a wonderful thing. Whether you're a housewife or whether you work in the field or whether you work in a warehouse or at a desk or behind a computer, work is a gift from God. Value it. Thank God for it. We're all in this building according to world standards. Rich. Every one of us. The poorest person in this room is rich. According to the standards of this world. We're blessed. We're blessed. When you get in your car tomorrow morning and head off to work, I want you to say, God, thank you for my job. Thank you for my job. If you're flipping hamburgers, thank God for it. If you're selling cars, thank God for it. If you're fixing, Brother Dauber, a a car... For the 10th time, thank God for it. If you're 
fixing a toilet. God, thank you I get to do this. And amen. I guess you're plugging toilets at Walmart, right? Yeah. Amen. You know what? I love going to Chick-fil-A. I don't know how they do it. But everybody there works hard. It don't matter who they are. I was there the other day eating. Some elderly guy, he must have been 90. He walks about there, can I get you anything? What do you need? Can I fill your drink? I'm like, I love this place. Everybody. Have you ever been there and seen Lauren Hoffman? Oh, Lauren's amazing. Matthew Haggard, family goes to our church. These guys are amazing. They work so hard. That's why I like to go to Chick-fil-A. Sometimes I'd rather have a burger, but I just want to see him work. I love it. I love it. So work's a great thing. I hope you've looked at this message. It's not boring. And, well, I'll come to the next Sunday. Hopefully he'll preach on something more relevant. You all work. It is relevant. We need it. So if you need to come and pray, worship, whatever you need to do, if you need to be saved, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'd love to see you right here at the altar or talk to you after the service when you have a convenient time. Let's pray, shall we? Father.